We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And Nikki Reitmayer is going to join us in about a half hour. Less than that, about 25 minutes. She's hosting The Late Shift tonight. I think this is the first time we've had the opportunity to speak, and I'm looking at her Twitter account, and she has a photograph of her with her dog at the Global News Desk in Canada. So I feel like we're going to be talking about dogs. I'm going to guess that's her dog. I don't know. It could be some random animal she decided to get to the photo uh, booth or whatever but that works out pretty well too she's a contributor up there and it'll i think it'll be fun in about 25 minutes as far as i know this is the first time we've had a female host for the late shift join us on the sunday night connection so this is a first as well she contributes to a couple of different stations but i'm guessing the one up in vancouver may be the home station where they base this out of and shane hewitt said he'll be back uh, next week Whoever may be filling in on this show starting next week, too. Yeah, I got some vacation time I'm going to be working towards. So I'm off on Tuesday. And then for next week, Sunday to Sunday, I'm off for Thanksgiving. So I got a lot of time off, at least uh, in the next couple of weeks. And then after that, I get Christmas off, too, the couple of weeks end of the year. Wow, this will be great. Really going to enjoy spending this time off. So hopefully... I'll be able to tell you who those people filling in will be here soon. Maybe I'll know by tomorrow night. And just uh, another reminder, we're going to be running a tribute to a dear friend of us here at KMOX, Bob Hamilton, a true legend in the newsroom, who passed away just late last week at the age of 82. Bob Hamilton, KMOX News. That voice, such a recognizable voice. Let's see. He talked, I had a couple of clips I was going to play. He was a fan of the holiday radio show, which I can't believe this year it's going to be in a different form, but we're already at the end of the year. I loved it. That was fun. You could, uh, I could play with my voice and be hokey. And it was one of the few times that you get to see the audience because they come to the uh, theater and afterwards there's a little cocktail party or something. And just to see the listeners was great. Yeah. Ah, uh, we'll miss you. We will miss you, Bob Hamilton. And I know Kevin Clean and so many others in the newsroom, they all had to come by and say hi to him when he was in the studio. This is an interview from back in February of this year, right before all this corona stuff hit. Who would have known everything that was pending and down the line at this point? I think at 
the the rumblings of it just started to pick up basically in February. We really didn't know the extent of what would be happening next. And uh, I'm going to replay that interview. I've never actually played the whole thing, but I recorded it with the intention of pulling different clips to use in the different KMOX documentaries that I was planning. He was in all of them so far, and I'm sure he'll be in all of them following, too, anyone that we put together. So far, he's contributed to the Mr. Robert Hyland, the Jim White, and now the Ann Keefe one with more on the way. So Bob Hamilton special tomorrow night starting at 10 o'clock. It's going to be our hour to just remember the genius, the greatness that is uh, Bob Hamilton. I saw this online real quick. I wanted to mention this. And I saw this giant Asian shepherd dog. Uh, Central Asian shepherd dog is a breed that they decided to build this giant gold statue for in the country of Turkmenistan. And I got to say... I didn't know where Turkmenistan was. I had to look it up. But it's right in the hotbed of a lot of different areas. Maybe I don't spend a lot of time. Now, if you were to do one of those man on the streets and they'd say, point to Iraq, I'd be able to do that. You know, point to the name of the country. If it's a popular country, I, I should be able to do that. But if they said point to Turkmenistan, I would have said, oh, you're making that up. I just that probably what I would have said. I'm looking at a picture of this thing in the country that certainly exists, and it's a giant statue. It's bigger than a car, so it's probably the size of maybe two or three cars, maybe a car length, maybe three cars tall. It's pretty tall, and this dog is overlooking this. The statue dog is overlooking the area, and keep in mind, it's not like they are just swimming in cash. They're not Scrooge McDuck, where all the different residents there have a giant vault that they open up and then swim in. It's 19 feet tall. And let's see, uh, the breed of the Turkmen variety of the Central Asian Dog Shepherd listed as the country's national heritage, under the country's national heritage. And it was an honor by the president last year. He devoted the book to his dog breed that he loves so much. And now they got this giant gold thing out there. This monstrosity is probably the best way to put it. I know different countries love their dogs, but I'm going to say Turkmenistan, if you're out there and you're hungry and you're looking at this giant gold statue, you're probably thinking to yourself, really? Really? And I'm looking at this thing too. It looks like, not exactly like the piece that you would get when you play Monopoly, but it's kind of like in that vein. It just looks like a giant piece like that. So you take like the silver monopoly piece and you spray paint it gold and call it gold i wonder uh what happens to this thing next how, how long before there's giant unrest in the country and then they try to take this down with a bunch of chains in the back of a you know ford f-150 or whatever they do when they take down a giant statue and let's melt it down uh that would be the next thing too and plus how do they even get their hands on this it doesn't say in the article from the bbc how much money they actually spent on this thing, but I'm going to guess it's not cheap. On the base of this thing, so it's got a giant round base to it. It has LED screen showing footage of the breed in various situations. Isn't that great? Giant, <laughs> giant screens on top of it. During the unveiling, a young boy was handed uh, a dog, which is officially listed as an asset of the national heritage of the country, along with handmade carpet so hey congratulations here's a here's a take-home kid take this national dog breed still owned by the country oh boy now nah, they got some problems there 
You know, every time I look at all the problems we have here in the United States, I think I'm still glad I live here and I'm not living somewhere else. It would have been, just think about that, 20 times worse. So we're going to hook up with our friends in Canada coming up in about 15 minutes from now. If you want to call in, you can. 314-436-7900. I don't know if you saw this, but Joe Biden had a cancer charity. Oh, this is interesting, right? Well... Yeah, there's something interesting about this charity of his. The Biden Cancer Initiative, which was founded in 2017, raised a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. Do you want to know how much of those millions of dollars actually went to help the cause of cancer and to try to beat cancer? Okay, so let's just say if the charity took in $4.8 million, I want you to guess how much money actually went to trying to fight cancer. I'll give you the answer after the break. 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. So a couple of different websites are reporting this. And I'm going to go with the one from the New York Post because I think they're the ones to first look into Joe Biden's charity, the Biden Cancer Initiative, founded in 2017 by Joe Biden and his wife, Jill Biden, to, quote, develop and drive solutions to accelerate uh, accelerate progress in cancer prevention, detection, diagnosis, research and care and to reduce disparities, uh, disparities be in cancer outcomes. Okay, According to the IRS mission statement. So for those two years, 2017 and 18, the two years, they took in $4.8 million. Wow, that's a lot of money. Four point, you can do a lot of good if you had $4.8 million. You would do a lot of good if you would have gave it to any other charity besides the Biden Cancer Initiative. If you really want to help cancer treatment, give to like St. Jude. They're an amazing organization, and they do amazing research. That's who you want to be giving your money to. There's so many other worthy organizations and let me just go through this. I, I teased right before the break. Okay, how much of that $4.8 million in 2017 to 2018 were actually spent to help the cause of cancer to try to eradicate this terrible, terrible disease? So let's take a look at their tax filings, according to the New York Post, which you can go find online. And I actually decided to look this up on the Biden uh, website, but you can go to like charitynavigator.org and see some of these things for yourself. Okay, let's find out. Of the $4.8 million, for those two years, 2017 and 18, what they filed with the IRS, they spent $3 million. Oh, that's pretty good, right? $3 million of the four point eight. Nope. $3 million on the payroll. So they were paying their own employees. Of the four point eight, they spent $3 million on the payroll. <laughs> what? The group's president raked in $429,000 in 2018. Wow. That's a lot of money. Pay the head of a charity that doesn't do anything $429,000. Danielle Carnival, former chief of staff to Obama's cancer initiative, raked in $258,000 in 2018. Wow. So you're you're hearing all of these. Payroll, $3 million of the $4.8 million. Oh, they spent... Fifty-six grand on conferences, fifty-nine in travel. They spent ninety-seven thousand on expenditures while traveling. They spent, let's see, the nonprofit spent seven hundred forty-two thousand dollars more on conferences. Wow, that's a lot of money. 
but under grants distributed. So grants would be what you would normally look at and say, okay, this is the type of thing you would give to organizations that are doing cancer research, people that are doing good things. Of the $4.8 million, how much money did they give in grants? Now, keep in mind, payroll was $3 million. In grants, it has to be zero. Zero dollars. Says the Bidens stacked the board with leading celebrities like the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> One of the musicians, Jimmy Gomez from the Black Eyed Peas. I'm guessing he was paid. And after two years, the charity paused its operations when Biden and his wife stepped down when Joe Biden started the presidential run. So they took in four some million dollars, what, four point eight million, spent over three million dollars in salaries and then actually didn't really do anything to try to help. In fact, when you go to the charity navigator, they say in 2019, in support of the mission, we met with leaders and organizations from across the cancer research patient and advocacy community to better understand, a.k.a. they spent this money traveling Luxury, luxury traveling, luxury conferences, all of these things didn't actually do anything uh, to help try to eradicate cancer. Shame, shame, shame. Now, I don't know about you. If, if you've done anything with nonprofits or charities, you know a thing or two when it comes to good and bad charities. Um, so the radio stations I worked at before, every year we'd look for charities to do a fundraiser for. We did this thing, uh, end of year telethon and we would have people call in donations and i would go through all of the applications we'd probably get about you know 70 to 100 different applications of different nonprofits. and when you start to read some of their missions you think okay this one's a good fit this one's not a good fit you, you get a pretty good idea of which ones you think would really resonate as in you know okay this is going to help five people versus this could help 500 people okay maybe we'll gravitate towards the 500 people one right there's certain things that you know would do the most good for the money that they were asking. And one of the things you always did was you go online, you look at their tax filings as a nonprofit, and you would see how much are they paying the executives and how much is actually going towards helping the cause. When you get like 90% going towards the cause, that's a good charity. Anything 90% and above is a good charity. Anything that's like, you know, 70%, you're kind of like, eh, I wonder why it's a little bit low. If you get down to 50%, and lower, it's like, ah, this is really not good. Then you're now you're in like Clinton territory. Remember the Clinton Foundation was this exact same way. The Joe Biden, if you go and look and see, wow, none of this goes to actually helping the cause. Why in the world would anyone give to this unless they were laundering it somehow to give to their, you know, people? This is not good. This is not a charity. This is this is accepting donations as a non as a nonprofit to do nothing to distribute this money to other people inside of the organization that you're paying on your payroll. That's pretty pathetic and sad. So the New York Post calls this out. I was a little skeptical, so I went to that Charity Navigator website and I looked right there and they have it right there. Here's the programs that they offer. Um, they traveled across the world to learn about the issues. Oh, wow. You did nothing to help it except travel. This is pathetic. So, yeah, go look this up for yourself. I think more people need to see this. The Bidens, listen, people go crazy, but the Bidens had no enthusiasm towards their campaign. The only reason they won is because, hey, they hate Donald Trump, so they're just going to vote for anyone but Donald Trump. Just keep that in mind next time you talk about the issues for your party. It's not a party of, hey, we're going to rally around the things we believe in. It's turned into a party of we hate Donald Trump. And that's kind of sad because if this were true, you would be calling out Joe Biden for this sham of a charity. And 
the spending zero dollars to actually help the cause of the charity. It's, it's actually pretty sad. So when we come back, we'll take a look at your weather, and we're going to be hooking up with the late shift. And Nikki Reitmayer is going to join us. He, uh, she's actually new. I, we've never had a conversation, so I'm really looking forward to learning more about her. This is our weekly hookup with Canada. Looking forward to it next on Overnight America KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. our friends in Canada. They do the late shift. And guest host tonight is Nikki Wrightmayer. I have not had the opportunity to talk to her in the past, so this will be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds like they're connecting to us. We connect with them at the same time. Kind of neat. Let's take a listen. They got their intro. There it is. From Overnight America via KMOX. The voice of St. Louis. Let's see how Nikki introduces this. Ryan Recker Ryan, Nikki, is that how you? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. So nice to chat with you. Yeah, this is the first time we've had this opportunity, so I'm very excited to learn about you. I'm excited to talk to you too, especially because I saw on Twitter that you asked a very divisive, very controversial question. You mm-hmm. ran a poll and you asked people which decade was better, the 80s or the 90s. Yeah, I definitely believe the 90s was a better decade. Uh, A lot of people go back to those thoughts of the 80s, but I'm going to guess, if I had to guess which way you voted on that one, can I? Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course. I'm going to say 90s. You're you're probably (sighs) going to guess 90s. Which one do you say? In the 90s, you're right. You're absolutely correct. Now, why did you think that I was going to say 90s? Yeah, I feel like we're the same age right around there. I'm 37. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, it's, you're, it's you got a couple polite. years on me, but yeah, we're in. Yeah, okay. I know it's not ask a lady her age, please, a Ryan. Lady her age. That's true. But uh, <laughs> I figure when you grow up in the 90s, it was kind of nice because you had that time where it was pre and post internet. At least I did. So I knew what it was like to grow up before all the nonsense started and then the excitement of the possibilities of the internet. And then you kind of came into it. It was wonderful. So I thought, ah, I don't know if I would give up the early internet days to go back to the 80s. So both would be fine answers, sure, but I felt like the 90s were a little bit better. Plus, there was a lot better uh, fruit snacks and commercials on television during that era. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was just having this conversation or a similar conversation with a friend the other day. We were talking about how thankful we were that we grew up in a time where social media hadn't really come into full effect yet. We, you know, we were on Facebook and we were we were getting there, but we weren't quite in that era yet where we were, uh, you know, digital natives. We hadn't really grown up with it in, in, in its entirety. So we couldn't post all of the stupid stuff that we did in our early years on the Internet because we just didn't have the opportunity to do so like kids these days do. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Facebook wasn't around when I was that young or I wasn't on it when I was younger because God only knows what I would have posted online. Yeah, there really wasn't a lot in that sense, but I remember going out with my friends and we would have polar not Polaroids, um, disposable cameras. So you yes. go into like the corner CVS or Walgreen or whatever, and you'd buy a disposable camera for the night. You get like 20 photos on it. You snap a photo when you found the time was right, and then you'd go drop it off and pick it up a few days later in hopes they didn't flag anything that was on it because they sometimes wouldn't print your photos if they were something on there they didn't like because they'd look at all your stuff. Now all of that has changed. <laughs> it's like on the Internet before you can even get done pressing the snap button on it. 
But, you know, I was looking at your social media, your Twitter, and the photo Uh-oh. you have at the Global News Desk. Is that your golden retriever dog? It is. I have an elderly golden retriever. Uh, her name is Big C. She's wonderful. She's about 12 years old now, so she's a little more white in the face. She's gone very white. I know some dogs, when they get older, they, they get really white fur. She has she has her gray hairs. Uh, she's a, a wonderful dog. And yes, she's sitting there doing a global, a fake global news report with me. Do you, do you have any pets? Yeah, I have a dog that is, I think, three-ish, somewhere in there. You kind of guess their age when you adopt them, you know. But the um, yeah. the 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 dog is great. I love the photo sitting at the news desk, and I thought, are you allowed to bring dogs into the newsroom? Is that a thing in Canada? <laughs> I don't know. Is it not a thing in America? I mean, where would you not want a dog? Do you, look, you got a dog that's going to be coming into the White House soon. Not that I want to start talking politics, but dogs i think should be welcomed everywhere yeah i think so too but some places are more friendly than others i think that people have allergies like everyone's afraid of everything so you can't go anywhere like in schools you can't even have peanut butter anymore because some kid might have a peanut butter allergy so same thing in workplaces you can't bring an animal in because there might be an allergy so because of that nope no whatsoever you cannot bring the animals in so if if i were to see a dog it would have to be a c9 dog it have to be uh, compliant with the ADA or whatnot when it comes to people with disabilities. And outside of that, you're not going to see it. But uh, St. Louis in general is a pretty dog-friendly place. You see them in other areas. I just I don't see them in the broadcast setting. Now, see, I did have one bad experience where I was at work once. And look, they turn a blind eye, let's say, to dogs being in the building. I think yeah, maybe officially you're not supposed to, but everybody that we work with, they're such dog lovers that, you know, the boss always turns a blind eye. But anyways, I was working one day and my dog was with me and she is very excited when she's at the office. So while we hadn't been there for too long, she was drinking so much water because she was so excited and she was drinking more water and more water. I thought, oh, geez, you know, I better take her down to go to the bathroom. We've only been here for an hour or two, but I better go back down to the bathroom with her again. So we're waiting for the elevator to come and I can see you. She's got to go. She's got to go. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And of course, it's like lunchtime. So the building is, you know, I'm stopping at every floor for every single person that wants to go for their lunch break. Just as my boss walks to the elevator lobby area, my dog pees on the carpet. And it's not just like a little pee. Like, it was like a fire hose and she wouldn't stop. And I'm going, ah, ah, I'm sorry. And he's going, um, and we're standing there while my dog is just relieving itself in our lobby <laughs> oh, no. of the radio station oh, no. for like, it, it must've been, it felt like an hour, but I, I swear it must've been like 90 seconds. It was terrible. Oh yeah. But from the dog's perspective, it probably felt pretty good to do that. Oh, well, so satisfying. Got, yeah. The guilt is there. So, <laughs> It, was your dog guilty or was your dog happy after a moment like that? Oh, she was delighted. She just relieved herself. So she was feeling great. Plus, there was another person now standing there who could possibly pet her. I mean, she mm-hmm. could not have been any happier in that moment. And then the elevator doors open and it's a celebrity coming in for an interview. Uh, I'm trying to think <laughs> yeah. of how embarrassing else this could go. Or it could be anything. Right, or, how much worse. You know, they, or they walk in, oh, the, the health inspector shows up, just making sure everything's up to compliance. Ooh, urine-stained Ooh, carpet it's... right off the bat. <laughs> this is not starting off good. They pull out the they pull out the pen, they do a little click on the clip, and then they start writing on their clipboard. Ooh, this isn't good. So now you're in some serious trouble. So did you get disciplined? 
No, my, my boss is incredible. He pretended like he hadn't seen anything. Like, imagine if you're talking to someone and their fly is down and you are trying to maintain eye contact with them because you don't want to maybe embarrass them by saying, oh, you know, by the way, you got a stain on your shirt or your fly is down or your dog is peeing on the carpet. He just, he looked me in the eye and he made no comment, no reference to it whatsoever. So we're just standing there while my dog is relieving herself and he's pretending like this isn't happening at all. But we know that this is happening. Everyone knows knows that it's happening and he didn't mention a word of it mm-hmm. so next time you bring your dog in wearing a little doggy diaper or something along those lines <laughs> yeah. to try to help <laughs> well that sounds like a fun workplace that you're able to do that a busy workplace and then you have to put one of those little yellow markers down that say you know caution slippery when wet or whatever and then yeah wet floor <laughs> yeah and there's nothing you can do if it's right in front of the elevator door. You can't get around it. You ever been inside of an airport and you see like the little dog relief areas where there's fake grass and you can just take your animal right there? Yeah, I've seen these before. I haven't I haven't used one before. I mean, I go to the human bathroom, but, you know, I haven't used one of these with my dog before, but I've seen them. They're cool, aren't they? Yeah, they're pretty neat ideas. I've only seen it once, and it was just recently when I was traveling. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool thing to do. I wonder what was there before. There probably was, like, vending machines or whatever they took out. But it's just, like, grass where it, I guess there's some drainage underneath where it can try to get rid of some of the liquid waste. But they have, like, a fake fire hydrant and stuff for the dogs. And I thought, man, I wonder how dirty that whole area is. Like, if you were to run a black light <laughs> in, that one, in that one room, it would look like a crime scene. But then probably for all of the airport, it would be the same, too. I guess um, oh, of yeah. an airport, it's probably not the worst place you can be in, but probably not the best one either. You know, I, I was wondering, with Thanksgiving around the corner, um, yeah. I don't know, do Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving in ways different than Americans? I mean, I, I can tell you how we celebrate it here, and I, I'm just uh-huh. kind of curious how things work out, because you have your own Thanksgiving Day, don't you? We do. So this is probably the biggest difference is that we celebrate our Thanksgiving in October, whereas you guys celebrate it oh. at the end of November. Oh, you have already had it then. Okay. So for, I thought for some reason they were about a week off. So they're a month off. Oh, that's way different. Well, you're not entirely wrong. I mean, if you want to get into a little bit of history of Canadian Thanksgiving, it's actually, it's I I, I personally think it's interesting. So ours is more of a harvest festival or at least it sort of traditionally was a harvest festival so here's a story for you the very first thanksgiving in north america ever was celebrated in 1578 i know what you're thinking but hold on it was held by sir martin frostbisher and his crew in the eastern arctic they were in what we now call nunavut So the ship and its crew, they had this terrible time with the weather. They were getting blown all about the sea. And when they finally made it safely to land and they set up shop, they celebrated communion. And to give thanks, they ate a wonderful dinner of salt beef, biscuits, and mushy peas. Now, this happened in July, but they still gave thanks in their meal. So it is officially recognized as the first Thanksgiving in North America in 1578. But of course, you Americans, you dispute that this was ever the first Thanksgiving in North America because, of course, yours happened in 1621. Hmm. We um, in America are on our own when it comes to things like this. So we, we may dispute it. 
but uh, it's because we believe we are the only ones. So we're disputing it with no <laughs> one. So we, I, it's easier to just not recognize that and say, ah, well, whatever, we got our own thing and we're just going to recognize us as being the first. So um, that's part of the American. Spirit. It's an easy way. It's an easy way to win the argument, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty easy. And the good thing is, like, we don't <laughs> necessarily always pay attention to what goes on in Canada. But I understand that you guys in Canada do pay close attention to the things that are at least newsworthy here in the United States. But at least for like the Thanksgiving side of things, you have your traditional Thanksgiving meal. And you normally watch mm-hmm. football because on Thursdays on that Thanksgiving, there's always a NFL game. And it's always the Detroit Lions losing to someone. So it's like that's another great Thanksgiving <laughs> tradition. And then you just overeat and then you kind of like rest and then you eat again. And then sometimes if you're younger, that's like a big night to go out. So a lot of times, oh. if you're, you know, if you go out and have fun with your friends. For some reason, people go to the movie theaters that night. I think both of those things will probably be non-existent this year with the uh, upping of the restrictions of COVID. Things are going to be so different for, I mean, they were different for us a little bit, you know, smaller, smaller gathering sizes. But for you guys, I mean, how do you plan on celebrating Thanksgiving? Because it's my understanding in the States in particular that Thanksgiving is what the biggest travel day of the year, traditionally, even bigger than Mm -hmm. Christmas and the biggest day really to get together with family and friends, right? Big one. Yeah. And I think most people, if they're under a certain order, are probably just going to ignore those orders and just kind of do what they want to on Thanksgiving, which made me wonder, too, because here in the United States, there's a big difference, I think, between the urban and rural areas. So mostly in the urban areas, you see the uptick of different cases of COVID. So they've been trying to combat that by putting more restrictions in now towards the holidays, looking forward to them. But in the more rural areas, they're much less restrictive. I feel like they're going to continue to do their own thing. I was wondering if kind of that's like in Canada, you get those large cities and you got, you know, your handful of large metropolitan areas that are heavily, heavily dense populated. But the outside areas, the smaller communities, are they under the same restrictions that you see in the large areas? Mm, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, In our province, where we are in British Columbia, the smaller areas are doing better with COVID-19 than the larger city centers are. So not all of the restrictions, I believe, apply to those smaller communities because they're doing better. But of course, they want to keep doing better. So, you know, they are pretty good at, at keeping up with the protocols that they need to. In the summertime, I know that some of those communities were really hard hit. Uh, Kamloops and Kelowna are local communities here that people tend to visit because they want to go to the nice warm interior of our province. There's some nice lakes up there. And as a result, there was a few too many tourists and that caused some issues. But yeah, otherwise, you know, I think the lockdowns occur a little bit more in the larger city centers where, of course, like you said, the populations are a little bit more hard hit, typical to, I guess, what you guys are experiencing as well. Yeah. And I read online. So your prime minister, Justin Trudeau, says that, oh, you better better shape up or I'm going to cancel Christmas. Can he do that? It's like, are people going to say, well, I guess I can't celebrate Christmas now because Justin Trudeau said I cannot. No. I mean, people are still going to do what people are going to do. This is just what people do. You know, I don't think that people don't listen to any politician, okay, first and foremost. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. People are always going to roll their eyes a little bit when a politician is speaking. And of course, uh, I'll do the same for Justin Trudeau. I think people are still going to get together for for Christmas. I imagine that most people will do it uh, with their close families 
only. I think most people here have been abiding by that. But of course, we'll see when we have this conversation again in the future, Ryan. Are people here sticking to their smaller groups? We'll find out. Oh, that is cool. And I, I, it's so funny because I am part of these different groups on social media. And there's a person by the name of Paul B. Walker that said they're listening to this interview right now on CKNW in Vancouver. He's up in Alaska traveling up there. Oh, wow. And just happened to catch some of it. That is so cool. Isn't that amazing how the internet could do that? That really is cool, isn't it? Well, hey, Paul, I mean, that, fantastic stuff. I'm, I, Ryan, I'm so glad that we got a chance to connect. It was really cool getting a chance to speak with you. Nikki, yes, that was so fun. Thanks for explaining these things to us down south of the border. I thought we'd have more of a rivalry with our Thanksgiving history, but apparently you guys just don't care. So that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah, we're going to eat. We're, we're <laughs> totally content with that. I don't feel like we're trying to set a record. That it doesn't even uh, register with us. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, Ryan, take care. It was awesome chatting with you, man. Nikki, thank you. Have a great night. Well, that was our friends up in Canada. They host the Late Shift all across Canada, all many different markets that pick that one up. Nikki Reitmayer, you can find her online, N-I-K-I-R-E-I-T-M-A-Y-E-R. And if you want to see a photo of her elderly puppy dog, which is a great-looking dog, you can go see that online, too. She's uh, over there at CKNW. That's the first time we had a chance to do a cross-talk with her. That was really cool. And I, I do want to thank Paul B. Walker Jr. Now, he's messaged me sometimes. I don't know if we're friends on Facebook. We might be. No, I think we No, we're not. But he does listen to the show. He said he's picked us up in certain areas. And I saw him post on a Facebook forum for radio people that said he's up there in Alaska. He said he's in McGrath, Alaska, 230 miles northwest of Anchorage. And he was picking it up on his shortwave portable radio, his sea crane, no external antenna, and heard you pretty well for a minute or two. Ah, Paul B. Walker, thank you so much. I, hopefully you're still listening and well, I guess it's we're, we're cut off. You wouldn't be able to hear it now, but I hope you had a chance to listen then. All right. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. That's uh, a lot of fun with Nikki. I'm glad that we had that chance to, to do that. A couple of days ago, there was a website a blog really posted by a person by the name of Mo Takic and the article was the death of the $15 salad how pizza won the pandemic yeah see you later $15 salad who is paying $15 for a salad maybe it's just because when I go to a restaurant and I'm going to pay money for food I normally want to get food that I enjoy I mean I can eat a salad at home why do that but Here's the thing. People, when they go out, they want the junk food. It said, we as a nation, uh, eight-month pizza binge, and it shows no signs of stopping. Multiple pizzerias in the Los Angeles area reported a 250% rise in sales on Election Day. You know what they're not buying? Salads. I mean, do you have to put a full New York strip steak on top of that salad in order to make it a $15 salad? But then again, maybe it just shows you when you buy a salad, you're getting ripped off. You know, if I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to spend money, give me the pizza, give me the wings, give me the burger, give me all the good stuff, the stuff that tastes good, the fries, the fried chicken, all that stuff. But I'm not going to order a $15 salad. And then I would I would even be mad if my wife ordered a $15 salad. 
Honey, are you serious? No, you don't. No, 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 no. You're not getting a $15 salad. You're going to get something normal. But so many different locations, they try to do the special healthy thing. And maybe that's why a lot of the fast food places are now gravitating towards the more garden variety of the burgers, as in we're going to do this all meatless burger. Yeah, we'll still put all of the other veggies and the sauces on this thing to make it taste like it's a regular burger and try to hide the fact that it's not, but it's warm and it looks like it, so your brain thinks it is. Other places um, have launched different delivery systems, and they're finding, too, that these deliveries are not containing salad. So when someone calls up and says, beep, boop, 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 hey, can you deliver me uh, burger fries and whatever? They're not delivering salads right now. And I don't know if that's just more data is being brought in. Maybe it's just people going out. They prefer to sit down and eat a salad. No, don't get me wrong. I'll get a side salad. Like if it's an option with my meal. So if if it's going to be like, okay, sandwiches, and you can pick between a soup and salad, I'll probably pick the soup. But if one of the options that sounds like a nice salad, I'll do that. But I'm not going to make it my main course. Or you ever gone to a fancy meal, something where they just automatically bring you a salad out. You're like, oh, this is nice. See, I don't have to d- decline it. I'll actually eat it here. Now, at our house, you know, my wife bought the Olive Garden Italian dressing. And I've seen them at Aldi. And it is awesome. Yeah, you see, I'm a, I'm a cheap shopper. Keep me, keep me in mind. That's where I like to get my groceries. So I saw that thing there. It was delicious. My wife already had it. I should just stock up just in case there's a run on that next time they close businesses down. I don't want to have to be left out. You know, oh, man, I I should have grabbed more toilet paper, and I should have grabbed more of that Italian dressing. Oh, man, what was I thinking? My priorities are out of whack. But you put that on the salad, man, it makes it taste like a million bucks. But even then, um, I find that, like, listen to what it says here. It says, back in 2008, Domino's was a $3 stock. Now it's a $400 stock. The same pundits were telling us that pizza was recession-proof, described it as an unaffordable extravagance. Yeah, right. I didn't realize Domino's stock went up to $400. There's no way. Domino's stock price. Let me see where that's at right now. $389. Wow, you could have bought it when it was at four. Forget about investing in cryptocurrencies. I should have been buying pizza this whole time. How did Domino's do that? Good for them. But for the most part, you've seen the resurgence. People thought, oh, everyone's going to be eating healthy give healthy, eat healthy, eat healthy. Everyone's going to eat healthy. But no, no, pizza's really what we're buying. And don't fool yourself. You know that's what you want. Anyone that says, oh, no, no, I really what I want is a nice big salad, you are lying. You want a something fried, preferably in the deep variety, and you want it like yesterday. You don't want to wait for it. And tell me, too, when all of this lockdown stuff started happening and you really started craving different restaurants, oh, I miss my restaurant, I miss that, I'm, oh, man, I could really go for one of their salads. No one's ever said that. It's always, oh, I could really go for their name the dish that you normally get, and that's it. And I feel, hopefully, that this isn't the death of salad, but it just proves that more and more people like the good stuff. And uh, that was from one of the essays that was written uh, written on Medium, which I thought was pretty good. Man, I could go for a deep dish pizza right about now. You really, there's some pretty good places around St. Louis. Uh, of course, I'm not going to go eat. Well, maybe I will. I got a couple of minutes. So next thing you know, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be just full of food. 
This is Overnight America on KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.